Grab a seat, move around wherever you want to move it around to. Uh, it's, uh, the, the, the gig tonight is as little um, formal imposed structure as possible. For reasons that may or may not become apparent, depending on how well or poorly the next 20 minutes goes, I'm just going to hand these around. Um, they're paper, which means A, they're recyclable um, and biodegrade a lot quicker than anything else you'll have a crack at, and B, if you want to write anything on them, you can uh, just take one and pass them around. All good? Sweet. So we're on this theme at the moment of taking ground in the spirit together. Tim launched us off on that last week, for those of you who were here or who picked up the podcast, and he's asked me to pick it up while he's doing the hard yards on Jesus' behalf in Byron Bay. Uh, for those of you who were here last week, you might remember Tim uh, spent a little bit of time looking at Acts 16, where Paul is uh, having a tough gig in Philippi. He's announcing the gospel. He gets arrested, thrown in jail. Um, and uh, we read in Acts 16 that the crowds uh, joined in attacking them and the magistrates had them stripped of their clothes and ordered them to be beaten with rods. It's not exactly what you're hoping for when you stand up to have a crack at preaching, preaching the gospel in public. Uh, after they'd been given a severe flogging, uh, they threw them into prison and ordered the jailer to keep them securely. Following these instructions, he put them in the innermost cell and fastened their feet in the stocks. Uh, that's, that's a weird setup for the next sentence, which is this. Uh, about midnight, Paul and Silas were praying and sim singing hymns to God uh, and the prisoners were listening to them and the story goes on um, that there's uh, a grand escape, a chance to announce the gospel through the Lord intervening miraculously and Tim uh, was kind of just picking up from that, that as we uh, mind this theme of taking ground in the spirit together, that worship is a means of us together laying hold of comfort for one another. There's people um, in a terrible situation and they could have done anything at all. What they go to and what they go to together, it's not by chance that Paul and Silas do this side by side, um, is prayer, yes, and also uh, singing hymns to God. They, they have this sense uh, that worship is a means of laying hold of comfort together. Uh, he looked as well at uh, 2 Chronicles 20, uh, where um, Israel, under the uh, leadership of Jehoshaphat, are being called into one of the more strange-shaped battles that you'll ever see. In 2 Chronicles 20, uh, we read these words, that at the beginning of a day where Israel are being called into battle, uh, Jeho Jehoshaphat uh, stood and said, Listen to me, Judah and peoples of Jerusalem. Have faith in the Lord your God, and you will be upheld. Have faith in his prophets, and you will be successful. After consulting the people, Jehoshaphat appointed men to sing to the Lord and to praise him for the splendor of his holiness, as they went out at the head of the army. That's, that's a weird um, SAS. <laughs> These are the crack troops going out, and what are they doing? They're singing praises to the Lord. Uh, and uh, what happens as a result of that um, is they're, go they're going forward, at the head of the army singing, give thanks to the Lord for his love endures forever. And as they began to sing and praise, the Lord set ambushes against the, the, against the men of Ammon and Moab and Mount Seir, who were invading Judah, and they were defeated. And Tim says uh, rightly that these verses just show us that uh, worship collectively is a means of us coming into possession of promises together. 
that there's things that the Lord has promised to us uh, that we might come up with cunning, plausible, earthly plans for how we're going to pull them off. Uh, and yet somehow miraculously in the deep kindness of God, there's just these moments where we actually come into possession of those things in worship and through worship. It, it's crazy. It's upside down. It makes no sense. You'll never see it in a strategic plan. Uh, and yet it's there in scripture. And so it's part of our inheritance. Um, both of these, this idea of worship being a means of us together collectively laying hold of comfort and worship being a means of us together gaining possession of promises that have been made to us is my lived experience. I just, I just want to say I've, it's actually what I've experienced to be true. Um, for those of you who don't know much about me, I'm a husband, I'm a dad, um, by profession I'm a lawyer. Um, I run a little charity that helps people who have... Um, problems with domestic violence and complex parenting disputes and don't have access to a lawyer any other way. My, my life is lived in the everyday uh, and, and very often in the not so fun parts of the everyday. And um, I often get people coming to me and say, oh, you know, what do you guys do for kind of self-care? Do you have a mentor? Do you have like people you go to to debrief? And I always say, look, we, we're really fortunate. We've got a fun team. Uh, we've got a small team, we've got a fun team, we've got people who can blurt honestly in front of each other without judgment and that's really healthy. But in, in all truth, um, what I do for therapy is I worship. Uh, worship is my therapy. And so if you've ever thought that I'm a little tiny bit bonkers when you're standing next to me and, and you've looked at me and thought, dude, you could do with a bit of therapy, uh, right at the very moment where you might be thinking that, I'm actually getting some. <laughs> but... But worship is, for me, it just has been for years, uh, my catharsis, my release, my comfort, uh, my way of the Lord shifting things in the spirit realm to bring me into possession of promises that he's made. Uh, and I'm a, I'm a different human very often as I walk out the door after spending a few minutes together with you uh, as church in worship. So I want to add my affirmation to the things that Tim shared uh, last week. Uh, alongside the stuff that I do through the charity that I run, um, I also, for about 13 years, have helped lead uh, a, an incredibly loose relational network called the Spirit and Grace Network. And uh, Spirit and Grace was kind of birthed as a, a, a bunch of pastors who felt like they'd been super well equipped to lead churches into an engagement with Scripture, um, into a relationship with other people in church communities, uh, but not super well equipped through their Bible college training to lead people into an engagement with the Spirit and a relationship with, God, with God's Holy Spirit. And so they kind of gathered together to, for a residential intensive every year. We just um, duck away up the central coast and spend four days in community with one another. There's physical beauty. It's a, it's a gorgeous spot. We spend time in worship. All the teaching is conversational and it's unpacked around a fire um, with real life application. It's been just a hugely important part of my life and a, a great journey for those pastors who connected with it. Um, as a bunch of uh, good somewhat conservative, Bible college trained, um, mostly Baptist pastors, um, we needed, to be honest, a little bit of nudging and help in the early days of figuring out what it looked like to, to live and to lead in engagement with the Spirit and in relationship with Holy Spirit. Uh, so we were really, really fortunate. Uh, they're church uh, day spring that many of you guys know uh, Dave Crabtree the guy who used to be the pastor there was fond of us um, and used to hook us up with some of his friends and so uh, I remember us having some of these experiences in the in the early years where we had a guy called Graham Cook come and hang out with us for a few days uh, some of you would know Graham he's a lot of fun he's kind of a UK background now lives in the in the US but 
Um, he, if you want to know what engagement with the Spirit looks like and what relationship with the Spirit looks like, uh, hanging out with him for four days is a really good way of being in close proximity to that. He is, when he steps down from the front of the room, the world's most boring guy. There are absolutely no bells and whistles about him. Um, and you just you get a sense when you sit in a spa and talk about life, the universe and everything with him that this, this is just his every day. Uh, but Graham knew that we needed a bit of um, nudging out of the nest. And so the first night he was with us, we were gathered in this uh, big room with a big open place fire. And uh, there was, I don't know, I'm going to say like 30 mostly Baptist pastors all in the room. And uh, Graham says, OK, so here's what we're going to do for the next 15 minutes. Uh, you're all going to pray in tongues. And um, some blood drained from some faces and um, a mixture of kind of hope, fear, um, joy, expectation and everything else all kind of flooded in. And, um, but that's what he did. He, just said, he said, I don't care how hard it is. I don't care how easy it is. I don't care how clunky it feels. You're doing it and you're doing it for 15 minutes and we're just going to pray and invite the spirit of Jesus to come and fill you with the capacity to do that. And if you feel like you're doing baby steps, then just don't worry, just go for it. And, and literally for 15 minutes then, it, uh, lots of people were exploring completely new territory uh, in terms of engagement with Holy Spirit and relationship with Holy Spirit. Uh, and it, was it a safe environment? I don't know. Like, how, how, safe is, how safe is inside your own head? Because that's the only place that was unsafe was the thoughts that people were thinking about themselves. And Graham just knew we needed to sit with that discomfort and figure out um, more about what it meant to be alive and engaged with Holy Spirit. Um, that was a lot of fun. Uh, we had another day. There were people that um, Tim and Deb and the rest of the crew are up with at the moment, uh, Maria and, and um, Phil Mason, uh, came and spent a little while with us. And, and they um, just have this extraordinary ministry, particularly to um, the New Age community, uh, just helping people come into an encounter with Jesus mostly through prophetic prayer um, and then just trusting that the Holy Spirit will steward that after the people uh, leave that encounter. And uh, so they just had these extraordinary collection of stories about that kind of engagement with Holy Spirit and building that kind of relationship with him. Uh, and part of the way that that works in their community up at New Earth Tribe is that they just engage in really sustained periods of worship. If you ever think coming here to I-61, sometimes we lock in and hang in it for a while. Man, these guys are just on a whole different planet. We went up and um, had the chance to serve in their uh, family camp a few years ago. And they would, they would worship for an hour. And then some cat would stand up with a microphone and bang on for a while. And then they'd go back into worship again for at least another hour. Lunchtime would come. Some people would go out to get some food. But a whole bunch of other people would just worship and pray and minister their way through lunch. Um, and would still be going whenever whatever was supposed to happen after lunch was happening. That was, it was the most completely chaotic um, organisational experience of my life. And it completely undid me for every more polite version of church I encountered afterwards. Um, I remember being with them, I was doing this thing on uh, kind of, you know, justice in your community and uh, as a, a good uh, recovering Baptist, I kind of said, okay, so we're just going to have a little time of prayer before I, I give my stuff and, uh, you know, so I'm just going to open the room up to, to prayer and, uh, you know, then I'll, I'll talk in a little while and, and I was expecting, you know, good conservative prayer, like we'll have one little sensible bracket of prayer and then that will finish and there'll be an awkward silence and another little sensible bracket of prayer and then two people will start talking at once and it'll be really awkward and one of them will stop. Just, you know, you know that kind of prayer. Uh, and instead what happens is it's just this flipping tsunami of prayer that just washes straight through the room. There's people praying in tongues, there's people praying over the top of each other. It was utter chaos, but it was, it was the most singularly beautiful prayer experience I've ever had in my life. Um, 
And these guys just helped nudge us into this experience of just being locked into worship and being lost in it. Being so, um, so familiar with the lyrics that our brains were turned off and our spirits were turned on. So unworried about what the lyrics were meant to be that it was fine for us to be singing something that wasn't on the screen behind us and just, just learning through baby steps what it felt like. Um, to be engaged with Holy Spirit and in relationship with Holy Spirit in that kind of way. and um, We've been really fortunate with our guides and our teachers. <laughs> uh, we had another guy, uh, a, a, a guy by the name of Leif Hetland, come and hang out with us one other time. And uh, Leif, if you've, if you've not bumped into him, um, has no social boundaries and is just bang up for expressing love in the most exuberant ways. Um, he'd met us and started speaking for about five minutes and then the next thing I knew he was sitting on the lap of a, um, a very neat, a lovely, cracking guy, but a good, neat Baptist pastor, um, sitting on his lap, across his lap, kissing him on the side of the face. And, and life just um, ushered us into this experience of the unboundaried encounter with the love of God. The I don't care um, what other people think of me, I'm just going to go with the thing that the Spirit's telling me to do to express to you the thoughts and intentions of your loving Heavenly Father in this moment. Um, and we, we've just been so blessed to have had these kind of nudges um, helping us along. As time went by, though, um, what we really started to work out was that um, times of worship were a way of Holy Spirit expressing ministry, not between the person who's got the fancy name and the people who don't have the fancy name, but worship was time for all of us, every single man, woman, and in this instance, child, to express the ministry of the Holy Spirit to one another. Times of worship are not times of consumption, they're not times of performance. They're not times of assessment or criticism or weighing up. They are times where every single person in the room, irrespective of how fancy or poor their reputation might be, gets to give themselves over to the movement of Holy Spirit through them. And sometimes you'll receive things on your plate from that and sometimes you'll find there's things on your plate to give to other people. We, we found ourselves then kind of living in an experience of what Paul writes in Ephesians 5 where he says, don't get drunk on wine which leads to debauchery. Instead, be filled with the Spirit, speaking to one another with psalms, hymns and songs from the Spirit. Sing, make music from your heart to the Lord, always giving thanks to God the Father for everything in the name of our Lord Jesus Christ. Uh, Psalms are just like bits from scripture that you were taught as a kid. Hymns are things that someone else wrote and taught you how it goes. Songs from the Spirit, man, that's just, this, this is spontaneity. There, there is something chaotic, unstructured and creative about being a worshipping community in this season of the Spirit. Um, what we found as time went by then was just that the Lord would start to add experiences to us that weren't constructed by the people at the front of the room. They were would, they would just us as the people who'd gathered to be in worship together, ministering to each other and creating memories for ourselves. So uh, I remember that when the time when Leif was with us, we'd well, we kind of contributed to flying this guy over from Norway. Um, you know, there's some reasonable amount of expenditure on this. And it came time, it was, the, it was the last night of camp. Any of you who've ever been on camp know that's meant to be the night you pump the tyres on and, and really make it a big emotional experience. And uh, we were in worship and peace just fell upon us. And I just remember looking around the room at one point and there was 40 Baptist pastors and their spouses just decked out. There was not a single person in the whole room standing. 
life was on his face on some rug somewhere in the room. Every person was slumped over a chair or up against the wall or lying on the floor or whatever. It didn't, it didn't matter. That wasn't the point. The point was that peace descended. And 40 performance-driven, occasionally um, perception-anxious people just didn't care. <laughs> they sensed what Holy Spirit was on and every part of who they were just let him do what he wished to do. Uh, the people who were leading worship um, tried to get Leif up three times and three times he shook them off and said, that's not what's happening. What's happening is what's going on in the room already. And so on the last night of camp, we had no talk and we just had the biggest drink of peace. <laughs> it, was, um, it was wild. I remember another time we were there and um, we had this cook with us who was uh, just a good Aussie working class lady. She was a lot of fun. Um, and on, uh, when we were together in worship, at some point, uh, Holy Spirit just seemed to minister joy to her uh, in a really profound way. And she just started laughing uncontrollably. Um, in a lot of settings in church, when that happens, you get a lot of looks and you start feeling crazy self-conscious and you feel like you need to shut down the thing that's happening. But uh, in a setting of safety where you all understand that worship is our way of expressing the Holy Spirit's ministry to each other, you just go, it seems like the Holy Spirit wants to minister joy to a bunch of people tonight. And for good or for ill, he's picked me as the means through which he's going to do that. And so this woman just started laughing. And all of a sudden, uh, someone went over to pray for her. And as they put their hand on her shoulder, they started laughing uncontrollably as well. And within minutes, there was just this conga line of joy <laughs> just going from every person to every person to every person. And um, was it embarrassing? Yeah, in another setting, it would have been. But not when you understand the whole point of this is engagement and relationship and ministry uh, together, one to another. I remember one, one occasion um, we were in worship and a, a mate of mine was um, on guitar and, and he, uh, like Pete, he's a really intuitive worship leader. He, he, he kind of um, knows how to play good musicianship but also he kind of has a sense for hearing the Spirit's voice and a boldness or humility. I'm never quite sure which of those two things is and it's probably both at the same time. Um, he has a bold humility to let Holy Spirit say and do whatever he wishes to say and do. And so Glennie was on guitar and playing some stuff and he, he just kind of drifted off into a different direction than how the song was originally written. I could see a, a person I'd just met the last couple of days uh, down the front, Middle Eastern background lady, and, and she appeared, as best I could be telling, to be praying in, in Arabic. And I just assumed that was what was happening for her. Uh, and I felt a prompting from the Spirit to go and pray for her about a particular thing. I didn't really know her, so it was one of those, I'm not at all sure whether what I'm about to pray for you is kind of in the postcode or, or going to be really weird. But, um, and, and to be frank, I kind of resisted that for a little while and then eventually I just felt the Spirit saying, no, 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 you really need to go over and, and pray this for this lady. And so eventually I kind of went over... Uh, old humility, um, put my hand on her shoulder and, and as soon as I put my hand on her shoulder, she just exploded um, in, in Middle Eastern cathartic weeping. Uh, and I just kind of prayed and said the things that I sensed the Lord wanted me to pray and say. Um, and I didn't really know why that had it caused such dramatic effect for her. Uh, and I caught up with her afterwards just to check in, like, was that all okay for you? And um, what she said was this, that um, she'd actually not been singing in Arabic, she'd been singing in tongues. Uh, and what had happened was that at the same moment that I'd come over and put my hand on her shoulder, my mate Glenn, who was on guitar at the front of the room, had spontaneously started singing in English exactly the same thing that she knew she was singing in tongues. <laughs> come on. <laughs> 
So what I've learned to be true is that the most beautiful things happen when everybody realises that in worship, like at any good Australian barbecue, everybody brings a plate to share. Yeah? Everybody brings a plate to share. You may not value what's on your plate, but Holy Spirit values what's on your plate. You may not get where your ingredient goes in the mix and why it makes it better, but Holy Spirit knows where your ingredients go in the mix and why it makes it better. Uh, that, that mixture of boldness and humility every time we gather is crucial to us getting to the places that Holy Spirit wishes to take us. Um, so I tried to, to reflect a little bit on... Um, different things on a really practical level that have been an important part of my transition into engagement with Holy Spirit and relationship with him and, and worship being a barbecue where everybody brings a plate. And here's um, some things that for me have been transitions, um, movements that I can see that I made as I look back on them now. Uh, firstly, there was a, a, a movement, a change, a transition, a choice to go from singing songs to engaging in worship. You understand, it's, it's, it's an entirely different proposition to sing four songs than it is to be in worship for 30 minutes. They're, they're not the same thing. Uh, so in Revelation 5, we read the, these words that um, they, the elders in heaven, sing a new song. You are worthy to take the scroll and to open its seals for you were slaughtered and by your blood you ransomed for God saints from every tribe and language and people and nation. You've made them to be a kingdom of priests serving our God and they will reign on earth. And then uh, John, as he gets this vision of what's happening in heaven all the time, sees it unfold even more broadly. And he says, then I heard every creature in heaven and on earth and under the earth and in the sea and all that is in them singing. <laughs> I don't read that. Just, can you hear what he's saying? That the whole of creation is in worship all the time, if only we can tune into it. And John gets tuned into it by this revelation of the Spirit. And he writes, Then I heard every creature in heaven and on earth and under the earth and in the sea and all that is in them singing. To the one who's seated on the throne and to the Lamb be blessing and honour and glory and might forever. Come on. So when you finally come and you add your guitar and your singing and your singing to this, you are joining in the thing that's happening all the time. It's quite possible that humans are the dumbest and slowest species to finally join in with this thing that we call worship. Elsewhere in the scriptures, we read that even the trees are going to clap their hands. The rocks are crying out. The heavens are declaring, when you open your mouth, when you move your hands, when you bow your knee, you are finally coming into the flow that was happening all along. Come on. Uh, Graham Cook has this extraordinary uh, way of putting it. He says, we never exit worship. It's a melody that's either in the foreground or the background of our hearts. When it comes to the fore, we must give ourselves to it generously. Man, he's got away with a short phrase. <laughs> it's not just following the script. It's not we always sing when we come in until the kids go out. It's not we do four in a row. We do a, a fast one and then we get, get everyone pumped up and then we come down to a slow one. Forget all that. 
we're joining with the angels, the elders, the things that are on the land and the things that are under the sea, saying finally to the one who revealed himself in Jesus the things he deserves to hear. The first movement for me was a movement from singing songs to engaging in worship. The second movement for me was a movement from wanting something to happen emotionally to wanting something to happen spiritually and holistically. There was a conscious decision at some point to say, I don't just want to walk away having felt more emotionally high for a little while, but being no different than I was when I walked in the room. I actually, I want and expect that if I come into engagement with Holy Spirit to be changed. Uh, I remember I used to be part of a church called Bathurst Baptist Church, predictably enough in Bathurst and predictably enough a Baptist church. We were pretty imaginative in the marketing department of Baptist churches. And uh, I was up the back of the room. I can still remember it now. It's kind of that side of the room, so the back right-hand corner if you're looking at it from the front. Uh, and at this point in time, I'd just finished uni. I'd just got my first job. I was still in a relationship with a girl who wasn't a Christian. And um, I was just kind of figuring life out post-uni. And um, we were singing a song. It was a song by Jeff Bullock. I actually Googled the lyrics. Uh, they went something like this. It says, I will never be the same again. I can never return. I've closed the door. I'll walk the path. I'll run the race. And I'll never be the same again. And then there's this cry to Holy Spirit saying, fall like fire, soak like rain, flow like mighty waters again and again, sweep away the darkness, burn away the chaff, and let a flame burn to glorify your name. And I just remember the Spirit of God catching me in the midst of those lyrics and saying, we're not singing songs anymore, we're engaging in worship and you didn't just come here to feel emotionally better, you came here to be transformed. And I fell to my knees and I sensed the Spirit talking to me about a bunch of very hard reshaping of my life that needed to happen to bring it into alignment with heaven. And when I'd sung, I'll never be the same again, I knew I needed to go home that night, shave my head as a prophetic act. Turns out my head is exactly the same shape as a Kinder Surprise egg. (laughs) Break up with the girl that I've been in a relationship with and tweak several other things that were present in my life at that point in time. That was something like 23 years ago and I still remember because I didn't just feel emotionally better, I was spiritually and holistically changed. So there's a movement from singing songs to engaging in worship and a movement from wanting something to happen emotionally to wanting something to happen spiritually and holistically. The next movement for me was a movement from the primacy of what people think, me included, to the primacy of participation. Uh, What I mean by that is my encounter with God in worship and my capacity to minister Holy Spirit's presence to other people was always limited by my own inhibitions and insecurity. I remember years ago, uh, also in Bathurst Baptist Church, standing, standing next to a guy who was just did not care about what other people thought of him, Jason Fox, and um, he would just go gangbusters in worship in a mostly conservative church and just it seemed not to occur to him that anybody else in the building might think ill of him for the way that he was physicalising his engagement with Holy Spirit. Uh, And I can still remember being um, made to feel more safe myself by being near him. 
actually felt like being near him gave me permission to come into a fuller engagement with Holy Spirit. Uh, but I can also remember that, like, the minute where you do this for the first time, that's an anxiety-producing minute. And the minute where you, like, you, where you move to being under arrest, that's, that's like a crazy anxious moment. Uh, I just remember, like, each time I explored some new extremity of freedom, uh, there was a war in my own mind that I needed Holy Spirit to help me fight, uh, to say, I, I don't care what other people think. I, I have a high opinion of everybody in this room, but I have a low opinion of their low opinion of me. I, I love them. I think they're brilliant, but I don't give a rip about their thoughts. Um, I have troubles these days when I debrief with the other co-leaders at Spirit and Grace about how the night's been because uh, I have no clue how engaged everybody else has been because I never open my eyes. <laughs> I, I don't care. I can't imagine why anybody would want my good opinion of them and I don't care what anybody thinks of me. Um, I... I, I I just want the encounter. Do you know what I read before about the earth itself and all of heaven being in song, in worship? In Zephaniah uh, chapter 3, verses 17 and 18, we read something that to me is even more astonishing. It says this, it says, The Lord your God is in your midst, a warrior who gives victory. He will rejoice over you with gladness. He will renew you in his love. He will exalt over you with loud singing as on a day of a festival. Man, if my father in heaven can throw away the shackles and in front of all the other small g gods of the pantheon engage in this kind of scandalous, unabashed way over me, <laughs> do you get what this would be like? <laughs> this, this, this is a, a whirling Middle Eastern god exalting over his children in love, thinking nothing for what anybody might think about him except to express himself to those he set his affections upon. So when you come into the worship experience, not caring what anybody else thinks, but yourself exalting, yourself singing, yourself engaging in worship as in a festival, you are touching part of the divine. In 2 Peter, Peter says that we have become participants in the divine nature. This is one of the expressions of the divine, to be so ecstatically engaged with who you are and who you are becoming that you simply give expression to it seamlessly and without thought. That's not just you having self-confidence, that's you having divine life. Catch hold of you and shape the way you are at least for a few moments. Being in worship in some strange mystic sense is our participation in the divine nature. It disarms anxiety, it disarms judgment, disarms comparison. And it releases us to be present with each other. Exultant, ecstatic, peaceful, honest, real, self-giving, whatever on earth it is. The next movement for me was a movement from requiring certainty to, to trust. So there was a period of time where uh, if the Lord would give me something that felt like it was a word or a prayer for someone, I would need him to dial it up to high 90s. 
on the certainty scale before I'd walk across the room. At some point when you're in a community that's safe, that's non, that stopped doing judgment, that stopped doing comparison, that stopped doing anxiety, you can go with like a 10% level of certainty. And you just give the thing and you go, that's the thing I think I've got. I'm just going to leave that with you and let you and Holy Spirit work that out. And all of a sudden we're moving, um, not in certainty, but in trust. And there's a much more free-flowing uh, movement in there and you're much more likely, in my experience, to, to touch risky, hard-to-get-to things uh, when, you, when you drop your percentage requirements. The last movement that I want to share before we move back into worship again is I think there's a movement from wanting to participate by receiving to wanting to participate by giving. I, I, I confess my frailties quite happily before you. Uh, there were years where when I would walk into the room and there was someone who was renowned for having a prophetic gifting uh, ministering at the front of the room, the only thing I ever wanted to happen was that they would pick me from the crowd and give me a word. There's, there's nothing wrong with that. There's a season for receiving. Um, but on the other end of that, at some point you just go, I've got the Holy Spirit. That, that lady's only um, accreditation for giving a prophetic word is that she's got the Holy Spirit. And if I've got the Holy Spirit too, then I guess I can give a prophetic word. And there's a movement then just to say when we're in worship, it's not the dork at the front of the room with the microphone who we're expecting to get the words and pray the prayers and sing the spiritual songs. It's if I have a heartbeat and I've received Holy Spirit, I'm expecting to have on my plate not just some things that are for me, but some things that are for others in the room as well. So we're going to go back into worship again, and I just want to uh, repeat for you those things. I, I, Holy Spirit is a mystery, not a mechanism. Uh, don't walk away from tonight thinking, well, I have to do step one, followed by step two, followed by step three, and then I'll get to step five. That's rubbish. Um, my experience is not normative. It doesn't shape how things have to work for you. I'm just trying to let you in on what's, up, what's been under the bonnet for me over the, a number of years. But there, there may be for you perhaps tonight a movement from singing songs to engaging in worship. If there is, I pray Holy Spirit will help you to, to make that shift. There may be a movement for you from wanting something to happen emotionally to wanting something to happen spiritually and holistically. And if that's what's ticking along for you tonight, then I pray that you will be able to cooperate with that. There may be a movement for you from the primacy of what people think, me included, to the primacy of participation in the divine life in me. Uh, if that's you, then just throw your arms back and let the current sweep you on. There may be a move from requiring certainty uh, to trusting or there may be a move from wanting to participate by receiving to wanting to participate by giving. Uh, we're just going to see what happens over the next little while. Uh, but can I please say, if any of you have a sense at any stage before we leave here tonight that the Spirit is giving you something to give to someone else, don't wait for someone at the front of the room to guess that. Um, use these pointy things dangling out of your torso and walk over to the person you sense Spirit wants to give something to and give it to them. Uh, Stan, Pete will lead us and we'll see where we go. <laughs>